Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and this week it's all about you and your predictions and dreams. We've had so much of you get in touch after our lucid dream and predicting the future episodes with your own experiences and paranormal stories. So before we start, I want to include a trigger warning as there are some upsetting stories regarding death this week. Our first prediction is from Lisa, who got in touch on our email, which is contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. That's contact at paranormalpod.co.uk. Now, she had a terrible prediction uh, that she has struggled with for a number of years. She writes, good afternoon. I wanted to share with you a prediction I had and can honestly say I wish I hadn't as I've struggled with it for a number of years. I'm an avid fan of Most Haunted and your podcast. I was introduced to Most Haunted by my younger sister, Sarah, who was obsessed with all things paranormal. Anyway, 14 years ago, Sarah announced she was pregnant. A happy surprise to us all, as she already had two children, the oldest being 10. Nine months later, Sarah gave birth to a beautiful, healthy little girl. Sarah was very much enjoying life as a new mum, finding herself much more relaxed this time around. One summer's morning, I arrived at Sarah's for my usual daily munch of baby. I looked through the lounge window to see Sarah lying on the floor next to the baby, looking lovingly at her child. The baby was smiling, and to me, I'd never seen Sarah look so happy and content with life. I was just about to knock on the window to get her to open the door when I heard a voice inside my head saying, Shame she won't see her grow up. This shocked me to the core. The words were so horrific to even think about. So I put it aside and went in the house for a love. A couple of weeks later, I was finishing work, driving over to drop some shopping off for Sarah. As I walked up the drive, I heard laughing and joyful squeals. All the kids were in the garden being chased by their mischievous mummy with a hose pipe. Again, I heard, shame, she won't see them grow up. This time, it felt like a punch to my stomach. Why would these thoughts enter my head? Sarah is 31 years old, fit as a fiddle, a happy young mum with so much love and laughter. I walked into the garden and joined in the fun, battling with these thoughts. One Monday morning, 13 years ago, I had a phone call from my mum, who lives an hour's drive away in Derbyshire. Mum said she'd tried to call Sarah, but unusually she hadn't answered. I said it was only round the corner and I'd pop in. I turned into the street to see an ambulance outside Sarah's house. My sister was dead. I froze, so deeply upset, but not surprised. 
She had died from a heart problem that she never knew she had. She was 31. Her babies were 10, 8 and 3 months old. I am haunted by that voice in my head. What if I'd had said something? Would she have listened? Or would she think I was insane, maybe even cruel? The years since have been hard. I take so much comfort from Yvette's podcast and also believe I will meet my beautiful sister again. I'm so sorry for the long story. I was actually listening to a podcast on Friday afternoon when I was out for a run around my local park. It was a beautiful sunny afternoon. I was thinking about Sarah when I heard her say, tell Yvette. So I have. Well, thank you for all the shows, the books and the podcasts. And when anyone asks me who your hero is, I reply that I have three. My little sister, Billy Connolly and Yvette Fielding. Oh, I'm in good company. Uh, keep doing what you do. Much love and kind regards from Lisa. It's very, very easy to bat these thoughts or voices to one side, Lisa, isn't it? And to suddenly think, well, I'm imagining it. That's what it is. I'm imagining that voice. But as I have found, no, listen to those voices. I'm so sorry, Lisa, for your loss. I really am. And no, I don't think if you had intervened, it wouldn't have made any difference. As I believe... When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. I think the voice spoke out to you, Lisa, because they wanted to warn you, prepare you. If they wanted you to do something about it and possibly save your sister, then the voice would have said, help her, she's ill, or words to that effect. And trust me when I say this, your sister is with you and your family always. She's very happy and she's watching over you all, particularly her three children. And don't forget to get her cards for her birthday and Christmas. She'll love that. Next up is an interesting question from Rachel, who also got in touch on email. To Yvette and all your lovely team on Most Haunted, I would like to ask if you have ever seen a ghost which was a living person. I ask this because as a teenager, approximately 30 years ago, me and my best friend lived opposite ends of our street. And one day we were walking from my house up to hers and we saw her dad waving to us in the upstairs bedroom, but in a very slow motion. And then we heard a car horn beep going past us and it was her dad. So Look back to the house and the figure had gone from the window. Lots of things have happened in my friend's house over the years. And the other story that stood out was we had another friend on the street who we met up with one evening. And she said to my other friend, I called you today looking for you. But an old man answered to say you were out. And my friend looked puzzled and said, yes, we were all out. But we've had no old man at the house. Her dad was at work. The house is not very old as her dad actually built it about 30 years ago. My mum still lives in my childhood house and I always glance up at my friend's old house but have never seen a figure again in the window. I could tell many of a story about a few houses of my friends over the years but these stories are the two that have stayed with me. Regards, Rachel Johnson. It's funny, isn't it? You at That first question, have I ever seen a ghost of a real person? And yes, and so that sort of goes in the category. I think we talked about this when we first started airing the podcast a long time ago. And there, what we 
class them as, as doppelgangers. And I remember the very first one, we were filming the pilot episode for Most Haunted and the director, a lovely lady called Bev, she was, she just passed me and was going outside to the ladies, passed me and Carl, and we saw her go. She said something as she went, she'll be back in a minute or so. And then literally seconds, she appeared at the top of the stairs and walked down, never said anything and walked past us. And we were like, we've just seen two of her. How weird is that? And apparently at Michelin Priory, that's quite a common occurrence. So that was my very first experience uh, of seeing a doppelganger uh, haunting, which is really quite freaky when you think about it. So a spirit is taking on the appearance of somebody living. And it's, it's, it's a little bit sneaky, isn't it? It's a little bit little bit frightening that very mischievous as well uh, yes so and also with with what you're talking about Rachel possibly a memory haunting or as we all know it to be called now stone tape theory and as you know I've had many of an experience with, with this and I know you have too because you write in to tell me all about them I firmly believe that if you love the place you lived in and had many happy memories living there, that's the one place that you will exist when you cross over. So we think of ourselves as this sort of linear, one-dimensional thing. But when we die, when we cross over, it's not like that. So I've been shown recently, and I thought I'd share it with you, look at the earth, this globe, and imagine around the globe like a grid, it's it's covered the earth completely. The way I'm thinking of it, it's like train tracks going around and we're right in the middle, or I'm assuming we're right in the middle. We're in between two tracks. That's the plane that we are on now. And that's how, you know, we're seeing the trees as we are. We're seeing the earth as we are, the oceans, the animals and so on. It's a beautiful planet. But as we also know, it can also cause you great pain, can't it? A lot of emotional stress. And sometimes people will take their own lives because they can't cope with that emotional stress. People can live very sad, awful, terrible lives in this dimension, but they can also live very happy, beautiful lives too. So what happens to us when we depart this plane that we're on? Now, I believe that if you have lived in this plane and you have had a good life, you've been a good person, a caring person, a kind person, you know, you have a good soul. I believe that then you will go to the next level up and the next level up, you're still on the earth, but you see it completely differently. The trees will have a more vibrant colour to them. The sky will have different hues of gold and reds and blues. Everything will look more extraordinary to you and more vibrant than ever before. You're also, as a soul, able to be in lots of different places all at the same time. And time that we know now that we have on our, our wrists and on our phone, it's nothing, nothing like when we go to the next plane. It's something we can't even comprehend. And so on. So when you leave the next plane, you go to an even more vivid and more beautiful place, but it all surrounds this planet. And the people that haven't done such wonderful things on this plane, that have committed the most heinous crimes or just been very 
just horrible souls to be around, uh, very negative beings. When they cross over, there's no such thing as hell, as far as I'm concerned. But what they will do is they'll go to a grayer, a grayer, darker place. So you'll still have buildings, they'll still have trees, they'll still, but it will be a lot grayer. And the atmosphere will feel so much heavier. And then again, if they don't learn, if they don't ascend, if they don't learn from their mistakes, they will go further down into a lower level and so on. And that's, I was, I was doing a meditation and that's what I was shown. And it was mind blowing to me. I had an epiphany. So I thought I would share it with you. Doesn't mean to say it's right, but I really believe that that is what all of this is about. And Rachel, you just, with your email, you just pinged, pinged that into my brain and I just wanted to share it with you. Now, we have a voice note from our listener, Kate, who also got in touch on email to share her experiences with who she believes to be her grandparents. So I believe I'm going to read the email and then we're going to listen to her voice note. Hi, Yvette. My name is Kate, and I've attached a voice note above with some of my most convincing ghostly evidence, which I believe to be my granddad and nan. It ranges from when I was a kid to a few months ago of sightings and experiences. I was told by a psychic that I have a gift to communicate with spiritual beings, but as it scares me so much, I shut myself from it. I know what you mean. I touch on this more in my voice note. These are just a few of the things I've witnessed, and I would love the opportunity to discuss more of my experiences with you. I've also attached a picture above, which I explain more thoroughly in my voice note, but please do let me know if you have any trouble seeing the apparition. I believe that I have caught on film. I also had it verified by a psychic, which I forgot to mention in my voice note. The image where it is the most zoomed out, the figure is to the right. The other image is a more zoomed in version where I can make out two white orbs as eyes, hair, how my nan wore hers, a low bun with a centerish parting, and the curve of the shoulders. It will be great to have my experiences featured on an episode of your podcast as I'm such a huge fan and have been for a long, long time. I wish you, Carl and your family and the Most Haunted team all of the best. So let's listen to Kate's voice note. Hi there. Hi, Carl. My name is Kate and I've been a huge fan of Most Haunted for years and years and years since the beginning I remember being like a kid home from school and watching you guys on living tv and stuff and just really really sparked my interest in the paranormal you know what happens you know when we die um I've had lots and lots and lots of experiences with paranormal activity I've never touched wood don't actually ever want to be I've never been haunted I don't want (laughs) to don't want to jinx anything but yeah I've never been haunted but I've had experiences um you know, I've had the basic experiences of tapping. I remember when I was a kid in, when my family have a house in Ireland, um, which we visit a few times a year. But when, you know, when we're not there, it's completely locked up. No one goes in. And the only person who has a key is my granny. And I remember hearing a story about how my granny goes in to check on it every few weeks, just make sure everything's fine. And she went in one day and all the taps were physically like twisted and turned on. She had to go around and turn them all off. No, there was no force of entry. There was nothing to suggest that a door had been unlocked. Nothing. A window wasn't open, so no one was playing pranks. It was completely locked up. So there was no explanation as to why the sinks, not not only were they, you know, leaking. That could be an explanation, but they were just physically turned on. Um, so she had to go around and turn them all off. That was really weird. 
And then also in that house, I remember being in, um, we had a playroom downstairs on the ground floor. And I remember being in there with my friend and family had all gone out for dinner and we decided we wanted to stay home. I must've been about um, 10. And we heard walking in the hallway and my instinct was, oh, family are home. Okay, let's go out and say hi. And as I went to approach the door, I heard running, like bang, 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 running down the hallway as if someone was trying to run to the door. Like they've noticed I'm in there, run to the door. So I panicked, so I locked the door um, in the play of the playroom and I went to the window which faced the driveway to see if my parents' cars were there. There was no cars in the driveway, so I was thinking, right, whoever's in the house, you know, it's not my parents. I genuinely thought we'd been broken into because it was so loud and clear. Me and my friend jumped out of the ground floor window and ran all the way to my uncle's house, where at the same time, my uncle was out for tea with his, um, with, you know, my family. And at the same time, a babysitter who was babysitting my cousin said that the radio had turned on and as we walked in, it turned off. So whatever was going on at my house, some weird things were happening at my uncle's house at the same time. Um, the radio was turned on by itself, even though it was unplugged. She heard footsteps as well, it was really weird. But what is interesting is that my granddad, who had sadly passed, built the houses on that estate. He was a builder and he built the estate, helped build the houses. So I wonder, you know, his children were now living on this estate. I wonder if it was him playing pranks, which would be quite cool. More recently, I've had some really weird experiences. There was a Most Haunted Live I was watching one year and on it, Fred was doing um, one of his Latin speeches, which usually I either, you know, mute or turn over because this one time I watched it and I think you even put a warning saying, you know, be careful listening to this because it can it can stir some things up in your house. And I just took no notice. I just was like, okay, you know, it probably won't happen to me, just watch. And I was watching Halloween night, watching this live, watching Latin, um, the Latin being read. Didn't know what Fred was saying. Anyway, I was on the sofa and I felt as if someone was behind me. And I, the only person in my house was my mum. And she knew I was watching this and she likes to kind of play pranks. So I thought, my mum is standing behind me right now and she's going to try and scare me because I'm now watching this, you know, ghost show. So I got my phone up and I took a photo to be like, got you, you know, surprise, I got you. So I lifted my phone above my head, took a photo of behind me to then be like, haha, I got you. I looked at my phone and there was no one there. So bizarre. But then... When I looked closely at the photo, I just saw this apparition. And I show, I've shown friends, I've shown my family. Some people say they can see it. Some people say, you know, it's blurred, it's, you know, finger smudges or whatever. But I took tons of photos to try and recreate it to see if I could pick up the same smudges. And, you know, nothing of, nothing of the sort appeared in any of the other photos. But this one photo had what I think um, was my nan. It was just to me that like this elderly woman um, who's just her shoulders and head above floating in the hallway it bus up next to my living room. I've attached the photo to this, the email that I sent you, so hopefully you'll see that. Um, but, you know, please let me know if you need me to point it out. But most recently, I went to a psychic and, you know, he was talking to me about my nan, who I think I saw in the photo. Um, and he was saying, you know, you are quite sensitive to seeing ghosts and whatnot. And he said that they apparently, I don't know if this is true, but apparently they try to reach out to me. But um, because it does scare me, you know, whenever something spooky happens, it really, really scares me. I kind of have put up a 
a mental force field to say, nope, don't want to know. <laughs> and, you know, he was telling me all these things that my nan, that I'd only told my nan, such as the fact that I said to her once, I want three children because you had three children. And he told me that. He said, that, oh, do you still want three children? Your nan said you did. And all these spooky things that I'd never told anyone else before, but he knew them only because I'd told my nan. And so I kind of went home from that feeling, you know, quite quite comforted that I think I had made contact with my nan and stuff. But still kind of saying, right, nan, if you're really around me right now, like, give me a sign, come on, reach out, come on, I want to see, um, you know, move this object or, you know, pull, pull, touch my hand or, you know, I just, whatever you can do, just do for me. And nothing would happen. It was really weird. And it wasn't until one night me and my partner were watching TV and the way we were sitting is... Um, it was it was it was a narrow rectangular room where on one side was the sofa, another side was the TV, and next to the TV was a doorway, which if you look through from the position where we were sitting, was our front door, which was locked, and it had one of those chain locks with that had the loop. Um so when you put it put it on the lock and you slide it across, it has the chain as a loop. We were watching TV and I think even maybe the day before, a few even maybe a few hours earlier, we were calling out to my nan to see if she would give us a sign and nothing would happen so we thought okay well we'll just watch tv and as we're watching tv we both see something in the corner of our eye move not communicating this to one another but we both look and just see the the metal chain hovering in midair for a good two three seconds and if you that two three seconds doesn't sound like a long time but if you think about something defying gravity that it just it feels like a really long time when you see it we saw this chain Hold, held in the air for two or three seconds and then just drop down and make a thud against the door. It was the most bizarre thing. We both saw the movement of it lifting the corner of our eye and it's like it stayed there. It was like my nan, I believe, held it there until we we saw it so she could say, haha, told you I'm here and then drop it. And nothing else ever happened again. I think she knew I was frightened so she was like, that's enough evidence for you. Um, but to this day was the most unexplainable thing I've ever seen in my life. In it, to the point where me and my partner were sitting there, we both saw this chain move and we carried on watching TV as if nothing had happened because we were both so shocked that we thought we must have imagined it. And it wasn't until I turned to him and said, did you, did you see that? Did you see that chain move? And he was just like, oh my gosh, yes, I saw it, I saw it, how bizarre. And we spoke about it then and we, you know, we researched it, we Googled it, we came up with some like absurd theory that maybe a satellite was passing over which created a magnetic force which lifted the, you know, the chain. And all the theories we came up with, first of all, probably just so scientifically incorrect, but also, there's just no there's no explanation the, the you know the sometimes the most simplest explanation is the right the right one and the only explanation i could think was it was my nan kind of proving a point and saying yeah i'm here stop asking thank you so much for um doing the work you do i find it so interesting and i'm so grateful to you know have a place where believers in the afterlife and whatnot can, can go um so thank you so much and I'm looking forward to hearing more of your podcast and hopefully more some more Most Wanted episodes. <laughs> Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I want to let you know about an amazing new offer just for you. We're launching a new weekly bonus series, Yvette Investigates. Each week, we'll be releasing a new episode as part of an investigation into a paranormal event or phenomena with leading experts and historians. For just 99 pence a week, you get this exclusive bonus episode delivered into your podcast feed, as well as getting our main episode ad-free and a day earlier than everybody else. There's three different tiers you can subscribe to. Head to paranormalpod.co.uk now to find out how to subscribe and become one of our podcast paranormal investigators. As a special thanks, we'll even give the first 50 paranormal investigators a shout out and a big thank you on the podcast. Well, Kate, as in life, as in death. So the reason why I say this is because if your granddad was a a prankster and a joker in his life, he could well be making jokes and pranking you in the afterlife. I know my dad was a loved uh, jokes, loved pranking people. He thought it was the funniest thing ever. And even now he'll play jokes and tricks on us. Um, you know, I think, I think he told my mother once that she had nice boobs. Um, and he actually tapped that out, which made us all fall about laughing. But family members love being in photos. I encourage you all to look out for orbs in the pictures. Blow them up. If you see these orbs, don't just dismiss them straight away as this must be dust, this must be an insect. No, 
I think I've told you this amazing story. It was my 40th birthday and I was standing on stage and uh, it was in the days because I'm very old now. It was in the days before iPhones and Carl had taken a photograph of me, of me on stage. He then in the office the next day put the um, image onto his laptop so we could have a look at all the pictures. And we both went, oh, what's that orb there? And we blew it up on his computer. It's my dad's face. And it's as clear as anything. It is, it's not just a, oh, it looks, oh, we could make this. It's not pareidolia. It's, it's my dad's face. And I have never shared it with anybody. I've never put it on social media. I've never given it to the press because it's so sacred to me. I don't want anybody to poo-poo it because it's real and it's my dad. And so I'm the same as you, Kate. I know that I can talk to spirits as well on the other side, but it freaks me out sometimes. I've been told by my dad to meditate more. And apparently he says that this helps. But Kate, and it's a big but, if you choose to go forward with your obvious gift, make sure you go to good meditation classes and do your research. Find out which classes are really good. Who are some good teachers? You know, really delve into it. Don't just go to the first meditation class that comes up. Crystals are great, by the way. You should see my bedroom at the moment. It looks like a crystal shop. I've got all sorts of rocks hanging from the bed. And how wonderful that your nan did that for you with the chain. I wish I'd seen that. How absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely marvellous that you just saw that chain move. It's great because there wasn't an explanation uh, and there's more than one of you that saw it. Your nan is with you. Believe it and enjoy it. Now, let's hear from another Rachel about a prediction she had in a dream. Hello, Yvette. I've just listened to your podcast, Can the Future Be Predicted? It really intrigued me as I've had a couple of strange dream predictions as well as deja vu experiences. My most memorable dream prediction was about a week before 9-11 happened during my university years. My dream centred around myself standing amongst tall city-like structures, observing the architecture as if on holiday as a tourist, something I love to do. As I was looking up to the tops of the buildings, I noticed a plane pass overhead. Within seconds, it crashed into one of the skyscrapers and smoke billowed out of the building. People began running and screaming. Then my dreams switched to me, sat in a room observing the events on TV, as if watching the news. My dream was so vivid and clear that when I woke up, I felt shaken and quite panicked. However, I did not tell a soul about my dream as I figured everyone would think I was mad. A week later, I was sat in my living room watching something on TV, taking a rest from studies, when breaking news occurred, and what should it be but the first plane that had crashed into the Twin Towers in New York. My heart raced. I couldn't believe my eyes. I genuinely felt sick and disturbed to see the horrifying events occurring and that my dream had been so true to this disaster. I've had other strange experiences like that, but also deja vu, and deja vu that really makes me consider if perhaps we either have the ability to see into the future or possibly experience alternate dimensions, etc. Thanks, Yvette. Keep up the good work and all the best with future books, podcasts, and most haunted shows. Uh, I hope uh, one day I hope to join one of the team's experience events. Well, I hope you do, Rachel. It'd be lovely to meet you. Uh, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, Rachel, you're not on your own. Millions of people around the world have had these sorts of premonitions, including a member of the Most Haunted crew, Stuart Torrevel. Here he is being interviewed by the producer of Most Haunted, Carl Beatty. 
One of the things I wanted to ask you about is predictions. Now, you famously had two predictions that I can personally vouch for, and I know outside of me there are other people who can vouch for them also. The first one, we were on a television set, and there were, I think, three or four riggers there. There were at least another two camera operators there um, and one of the producers, and they heard your first prediction, which you didn't know was a prediction at the time. And then the second time, we were doing a Most Haunted shoot, and you'd already told one other person prior to telling us. But again, you had more than one person to tell the dream you had. But again, you didn't know they were predictions until they mm-hmm. came into reality. Yep. Now, the first one was very famous worldwide. Just tell us about it. Feels a bit odd, actually, discussing this like this, but like you say, we were, um, we were filming a few years ago and we were actually doing the snooker. That was it, If snooker, I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We were filming the snooker. I can't remember what part of the country we were in. And like you say, there was plenty of other people there. I can't remember their names now. But it was about five or six days before 9-11 happened. And I woke up that day and I had this dream. And the dream was so real, I had to say, you know, tell it to someone so... You know, when I saw you downstairs in the hotel, I had a chat with you and told you exactly what was going on. But while you were there, there was some other people there also. Um, But then we stopped talking about it because we had to move on. So we got on set and then you then asked me again about this dream because it intrigued you. So before I knew it, we had an audience of people there. Now, some were laughing, some were taking the mickey. And I get where they were coming from because it was an unusual thing. And you've got to remember, back then, you didn't have the technology that we have now. We didn't, we didn't have iPhones. No, but also I think it was the fact, is, is I, when I take myself back to that point, that we just thought that... I mean, I, I obviously know you very well, um, but, and I know you were, you were agitated and you were concerned mm. about this mm-hmm. dream because it was so vivid. Yep. But the rest... It, People just thought you were just telling... You know, they were saying, well, you've had a nightmare. And yep. it's, it's not the worst nightmare you can have. They've had worse nightmares that they can think of. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's how it was left, wasn't it? But sorry, yeah. I just no, 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 want to put no. that forward. So I told you in, t- in, in detail and on set what had gone on. The dream was, if you can visualise this in your own mind... Now, bear in mind, I'd never been to America. And, and I'm going to be completely honest here, and I'm a little bit ignorant and didn't even know what the Twin Towers were... I just knew there were two tall, shiny buildings that glistened in the sun. That was it. And that's exactly what I saw in my dream. But in the dream, I was high up in the cloud looking down on these two identical buildings and then two planes hit them. And that, that was it. That, that's what I dreamt. What happened after that, I really don't know, but two planes hit them, the towers came down and then the dream ended. But this, this is the, the thing, and a lot of people, and, and I would probably be one of them saying, well, why didn't you say that to people? But well, to be fair, you did say it to quite a few people, yeah. but it only becomes a premonition when it happens. Absolutely. And in that instance, if you had ran to the American government mm-hmm. and said, I think this is going to happen, they'd have thought you were mad. And then when it did happen, they'd have probably locked you up because they thought you had information about it. Yep, absolutely. So did you have a time frame on it? Because it happened not that long after you had that dream, didn't it? It was, it was a few days. It yeah. was a few days before, five, six days before, if I recall. Yeah, I, I, well, I remember the phone call. You, you phoned me up and you were quite hysterical, saying, it's happened, it's happened. And I was That's going, what's it. happened? 
Um, that's, that's exactly and, that. I was driving down the road in my car, and we're going back to the days when tel when when shops had sold televisions, and they had the televisions in the front windows, and people were gathered outside this shop. I can't remember the name of it, and I pulled up and I thought, what's going on? I thought someone's died, so. I pulled up, had a look outside the shop window, and as I got there, you could see the first tower actually collapsing, mm. and it was there and then it hit me. That's what, what you've seen. That's, that's exactly what I saw. And but, that's then when I phoned you up and yeah. told you what had gone on. But what about the second one now? The second one was some years later. Yeah, that was January 16th when it happened, 2009. Right. Now, again, it's very strange, this, because... Three days before, I had this dream at home, in bed. Now, sometimes I work days, sometimes I work nights. Uh, back then, even to this day. I remember waking up one afternoon, and my wife, at the time, I was married then, I'm divorced now, but my wife, Terry, at the time, I went downstairs and said to her, I said, I've just had this strange dream. I said, I don't know what it is, I said, but... I said, basically, I said, somewhere in America, I said, I can't describe where, possibly New York, let's say, for instance, is what I said to her. And I said, again, high up in the clouds, and I'm always looking down, like the first one with 9-11. With mm. I was looking down, and this plane, all I could see was a silver plane coming down and landing on the waters. Uh, I didn't know what the river was because I didn't know the river names mm. around there at the time. But I just guessed it was New York because it looked like that at the time. When it happened, everything happened in slow motion. Mm. But I was very calm and still on watching this thing glide nice and gracefully and landing into the sea. And she says, do you think that's going to come real? I said, I don't know, to be honest with you. I said, I, I, this is the dream I had last night. Because I remember, again, you, you, you told a few of us yeah. then. And because of what happened... I told you again that 9 -11, day. ...9-11, and you said it was the same vivid dream. Yep. And, you know, obviously, in the, the years between the two, you've had probably a, a thousand dreams yep. and nightmares, but you've never recounted any of them. No. Nope. So this one you recounted again. And I'm sure you said... Uh, it's, it's from my recollection was, I'm sure you said to me something about a Hudson, because I remember thinking... Not so much that was the, the, the river, but, mm -hmm. the, but the, I was thinking of a name, Hudson. You yeah, know, I'm think, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been a movie fan, I'm thinking Rock yeah. Hudson or whatever, yeah. but you know, he passed away then. But because of what happened before, I took it more seriously this time. Mm. And I was talking to some of the other guys that were there, you, yeah. uh, you mentioned too, on, on the set. Um, but they weren't there when... The first time. The happened, first time, so they were kind of taking it the same way and that's saying right. that... Um, oh, it's just a bad dream. And then, as we know, very famously, an extremely mm. calm, brave pilot landed an aeroplane on on the Hudson Absolutely. without hurting a soul. Yep. By your own admission, you're not psychic. I have no, ability, no psychic abilities whatsoever. But you... I will say this, it was three days before I had the dream, and three days after is when that plane landed in the Hudson. Why would that come to you? Do you think it's a psychic premonition? Do you think it's a psychic ability that, like I say, you don't believe you're psychic, and, and, but this happened. You, you, it, it, this isn't made up, it's not a lie. We've got corroborated evidence that mm -hmm. that's what you, you yep. saw. Some of the things you said was quite significant, and a few days later these things happened. So what do you think that was? 
I'm going to be completely honest and say I really don't know why I was given that information. And I was given that twice, obviously with 9-11 and this with the Hudson. Why it was me, I don't know. I'm assuming there would have been other people out there who would have had similar dreams. And that's interesting. But, but I've never heard of anyone that would coming be nice forward if... and stating that. What I find strange about the two is the first one was such a devastating loss of life. Mm. Cruel to the extreme. And then the second one was the complete opposite. Yes, a tragedy was very close and could have easily happened, but no one died. No one died. Everyone survived on it. Isn't it strange how these yeah. two things happened? Because I know on the first one, you, 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 if you don't mind me saying, that you, you got quite upset at one point because you said, I should have tried to stop it. But yeah, you but couldn't no have gonna, done... No one's going to believe me. But you couldn't have done because you didn't know what it was. No. You didn't know where it was. Absolutely. I know you said in New York and these yeah. big buildings, but That's you didn't right. know what buildings and... And, you, yeah, you've got to remember as well... I'd never even been to America at that point. No, and if you don't know what I'm saying, you weren't really travelled then. Nope. I mean, OK, now you've been around the world, but at that point... Round about that time, 9-11, I was just transitioning over from my job in the civil engineering industry, building trade, into the television, television industry. Yeah. So that was my first look into um, the television world, and that was really when I started to travel shortly after that then, as you know, because I did most of it with yourself. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, um, I still think about it all to this day, especially 9-11. I don't think anyone would have listened to me anyway because at that point it was just a dream, no more than a dream No, and until this the, it turned reality. This is the one thing I keep saying, that a premonition is only a premonition when it happens. Yep. I'm wondering, you know, so many people had premonitions just before a worldwide catastrophe happens. Is there something, energy, unseen force or some beings pushing out the images of the future into certain humans' brains? Well, for what reason? Perhaps to raise the alarm. I wonder why so many people saw the Twin Towers' terrible destruction. Is it the... Bear with me on this. Is it the energy of our sorrow and shock that otherworldly beings can see and sense what we can't? Maybe they're in the future and experience this terrible sensation like a massive wave of emotion, an enormous tsunami rolling into space and time. Are they then trying to help, trying to warn us? Something I know I'll be thinking about for the rest of the day. Our final prediction comes from John, who had a strange occurrence during his friend's funeral. I do this as a voice note, says John, but I stutter and no one wants to hear that. This happened in August 1999. I had never had any paranormal experiences before, and I'm not even sure I believed in anything until. My friend died suddenly. He was 23, and we'd known each other since I moved to the town I grew up in as his gran lived on my street. Anyhow, the day of his funeral, I said to his brothers, let's meet up tomorrow at the grave. Fast forward 24 hours and I was a good 20 minutes early for meeting the brothers. Now, to get the lay of the land, if you're standing at my friend's grave, if you look left, you look down a hill to a road. Look ahead, there's houses and to the right and behind it's the graveyard with nothing overlooking it. I'm standing at his grave, just chatting away to him, myself, when from behind me I hear, John! 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 I turned around expecting to see his brothers, but there was no one there. I looked left, down the road, and it was empty. 
Thinking I'm hearing things, look back to the grave. The shouting begins and this time it's louder. John! John! For God's sake, John, I'm right behind you! It's then I realise it's my friend's voice. I bolted out of that graveyard and sat at the entrance and lit a cigarette to calm myself down. His brothers appear ten minutes later and I literally interrogate them, asking them if they saw me in the graveyard and were shouting my name to get my attention. They say no, and I leave it at that. I told no one what happened that day. Two years later, me and my friends decided to go to a spiritualist church. We're sat in a row and I'm listening to all the messages coming through for people, absolutely engrossed in it, until the woman looks at me and says, I've got a young man here for you. All eyes were on me and I was starting to feel uncomfortable. She carried on. He says he was shouting at you that day in the graveyard, but you ran away. Why? I started mouthing words. Nothing was coming out and she still carries on saying things that only I could know. And she ends it all by saying, you've got the gift. You don't know how to use it yet. Something happened that day like a switch was turned on because weird things have been happening like the time I predicted my colleague's pregnancy, which she denied at the time and then three months later announced it with the words, I'm pregnant and want you to know how you, pointing at me, knew when I only found out that morning in my house. Or the time I saw a shadowy figure in my friend's house walking slowly down the corridor and walk straight through the door. That sure as hell was an experience I'll never forget. Anyway, I'm rambling now. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work you do. Regards, John. John, wow. Thank you so much for sharing your incredible experience with me. I can understand how scared and confused you must have been as you heard your friend's voice shouting your name. I mean, wow. The skeptics will say it was grief that you imagined it. But you know, don't you? You really know, don't you, when you've experienced something otherworldly. I remember asking my dad if he went to his own funeral and said that he did. And get this, he said that he sat on the end of his coffin and enjoyed a cigarette. He loved the ceremony and the fact that we played the Beatles twist and shout uh, to end the service. He absolutely loved. But one thing he didn't like to see was the family cry. So just a little note from my dad to you. I know it's a hard one to get your head around, but our loved ones don't want to see you cry or be upset because it upsets them. Your friend John obviously could see that you were open to the spiritual realm and found it easy to tell you that he was there. And I'm so glad you went to a spiritualist church. Uh, for anybody who's lost a loved one that's listening uh, or has a friend that's lost a loved one, spiritualist churches uh, are great places to go. They really are uh, because you meet like-minded people, um, people that all believe in life after death and can actually help an awful lot with grief. So do bear that in mind. And most, uh, most cities, towns, they all have a spiritualist church. Please remember, this is so important. And I've learned uh, over the years since my dad, my grandmother, my granddad, their passing and dealing with grief, but talking to them and talking out loud to them, them telling me later on in a seance or via knocking or 
a Ouija board, whatever, they're telling me that they're hearing the messages. They love the cards, the birthday wishes. They're with you always. Our loved ones are with us always. And they they don't want to see you upset. They want to see you happy because they're happy and they don't want to come back. They are in bliss, let me tell you. And that's the absolute truth. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, and a huge thanks to all our lovely listeners for sharing their visitation stories with us. You can get in touch and share your own stories. You don't have to give us your name. You can be anonymous if you're a little bit embarrassed or shy. Here's the uh, email address to send everything to. It's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. We are on WhatsApp, and if you want to leave a voice note, uh, here's the number 075999. 27537. That's 075-999-27537. I might just pick up the phone and talk to you. Who knows? And of course, we're on Instagram and our handle is at Paranormal Activity Pod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow and we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk. That's www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a fantastic week, a positive week, a safe week. See you next time. And remember, things aren't always as they seem. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.